Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Look 11.1. Now it came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This scene has always intrigued me because they they have been watching his prayer life and it was so different than theirs. And yet you get the sense that they were kind of afraid to ask him, why is your prayer life so different? We used to, we, I grew up in a home with five boys and we, we were honestly uh, at times afraid of dad and so when we wanted to ask Dad something that could turn ugly, we, we all kind of took turns. We would send an emissary to, to engage Dad. And sometimes we even, how he ever kept a straight face, I'll never know. Sometimes we even, none of us, it, this was so dramatic what we were asking, none of us were brave enough to go out. So we would all go out and we would all say part of it. We would line up in front of Dad, and the first one would say, Dad, we would, the second one, like to know if, if, <laughs> and how he ever kept a straight face. So Jesus finishes praying, and the Bible says that one of them said, we need you to teach all of us how to pray. We want you to teach us like John's disciples were taught. That reference is important because if you know your Bible, then you know that when John the Baptist came on the scene, there had been 400 years of silence from God. There had been no prophetic word. There had been no announcement. There had been no move of God, no, no fresh word from God. Mankind had fallen into rank religion. When, when, when we left off in the Old Testament, they were, they were fervently following after God, but then 400 years of silence, we have different groups that are raised up, the, the Pharisees. There were no Pharisees in Malachi. There were Pharisees when, when Matthew 1 and 1 starts. The Sadducees, they all start in that time when people aren't hearing from God, and so they, they make up religions. But John the Baptist comes along and, and he's different. His, his prayer is, is not like anything they have heard for 400 years. And Jesus is even more different because we know that John came to, to clear the path. And so what we saw a little bit in John, we see a lot of in Jesus. 
And that is this, that when he prays, stuff happens. Understand before John the Baptist shows up, you could pray until you're green in the face. Nothing's going to happen. There's no move from God. There's no word from God. There's, there's nothing. There's silence. But now, these two guys, it, it's different with them. When, when John prays, the Pharisees and Sadducees come out, and, and these are the, the powerful and mighty men, and, and just a few words out of his mouth, they wither away. And now here's Jesus on the scene, and, and they're watching him pray, and it's like, wow. They're seeing in him somebody who, who, whose prayer life is, is natural. They're seeing somebody who, who when, he, when he prays, there's effect. There's a response. This isn't somebody who's just checking something off of a list while I prayed today. They're seeing somebody who is engaged in this and not only is he engaged but but he gets done and there's there's joy on his face and there's a presence about him and and even more than that more than that they they see an effect in another another gospel in fact just shortly after this story he he sends the disciples out and he says this he said listen i've got power now I'm going to give you power. And they go out and they begin to preach Jesus and, and demons are subject to them. And they come back and they said, Master, we can't believe this. After 400 years of, of no effect, when we pray, something is happening. Well, that, that event started with this here. They, they had gotten tired of praying, and nothing happens. They get tired of, of just endlessly throwing words up that just echoed off of the ceiling and bounced down back on their lap. They got tired of, of praying, and nobody gets healed, and nobody gets delivered. Anybody else tired of that? Do you know it's not until we get tired of the present that we, we get to see a change? And so they, 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 were, they were tired of constantly praying and, and they were tired of, of there being no effect and, and, and hating their prayer time. It's like going to the dentist. It's just something you got to do. You, you got to pray. And they saw in him that it was different. He, he actually liked it. I don't mind telling you where I'm going with this. I, 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 I know that God wants you to get to the place that you like praying. What a novel thought. And one of the things that we could get to the place to where we enjoy praying is if when we pray, stuff happens. When you can get to the place in your life that it's more than just, well, I got it done with, but, but you can... Something happened, and something happened, and something happened. How many would say, Pastor, that would change prayer for me? Something happened, and, and I prayed, and something happened. And, because I think that's the way it's supposed to be. 
Call me crazy, but I think it's supposed to work. I think this thing, prayer, is supposed to work. And so Jesus makes sure he, he sees in them a desire to change. Do you desire to change? He sees in them a desire to change their prayer life, and so he says, all right, I'm going to give it to you. And he makes sure that in the very first two sentences, he gives them the two most important things about prayer. Number one, remember who you're talking to. He's your Father, which art in heaven. He's your Father. He loves you. You're not twisting his arm to get him to do something. He's not your adversary. He's your heavenly Father who loves you passionately, irrespective of how your earthly father is or was. This Father in heaven loves you. You're entering into the presence of somebody who is crazy about you. And so, why wouldn't you want to go spend time with them? When you, when you do that, when you've messed up, you know that he can forgive you if you just ask him, and he will restore, and, and he loves you. We all like to be around people that love us. Oh, come on, don't look at me that way. Poor Will, tonight he's going to think we're going to embrace him. We're instantly going to just blow him out of the saddle. We all like to, to just be around people that we know they love us. Your Heavenly Father wants you to know that he loves you. He's on your side. He's for you and not against you. But he's your Heavenly Father that is in heaven. What, what that means is not a location somewhere beyond the stars. He's above all these problems that you're facing. He's already got them whipped. He's on top and not the bottom. When you engage your father, he's not like, I'm working on it. Just give me some time. He's above this. I've said it before. The headlines in the newspapers of your life are on history books on his shelf. Whatever you and I face today, he's already solved that. He's already solved the problem you face. The problem you face today did not catch him off guard. I'm not going to go into the long story, but you've heard it before, that lady that laid in a hospital bed. Eighty years before I walked into that room, God spoke to her grandmother about me. Tell me your heavenly father doesn't have this. He's got this covered. He's got the problem solved. The resources to meet your need are already shelved. So he wants you to know that when you're praying and you're, you're talking to your Heavenly Father, this is somebody who is on your side. But then he, he says something different. Secondly, he tells them, here's what's to be accomplished. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done. I'm just going to throw this out there. If when you and I get done praying, if his kingdom has not come, we've wasted our time in prayer. The purpose, the direction of prayer is to see the present situation changed. Is to see the kingdom of God come where it isn't. It's to see whatever situation is going on in another's life or in your life or in your home, in your church, in your city, in your country. If the kingdom of God is not being represented, then we need to continue to pray. Because Jesus is telling us, hey, this prayer thing, it's you guys are making it too hard. Here's what it's all about. You go to your father. He loves you. He's got it solved. Tell him you want his kingdom to come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is coming from a guy who has seen heaven. He knows what goes on up there. And he's trying to tell us that our heavenly father is not going to compromise. You see, too often we we get to the place where we negotiate the level of our misery with the devil. If we just don't feel as sick, if we don't just start as broke, if we just get over the depression, how many know what I'm talking about? God doesn't want you just to feel better. It is the will of God that you walk and be in health. The will of God is not that you just not be depressed. It's the will of God that you have joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the will of God. The will of God is that when his presence is so full in us that we are like a bunch of silly drunks. In Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God came, the Bible said it was as, as of a rushing mighty wind filled the house we were in then and tongues of fire was on each of them. And on the people on the outside, they, they didn't have windows you can't see through like we do. They, they had windows you could look in. And the people on the outside are looking in and they go, well, shoot, them people are all drunk. I've been around drunk people. They don't sit there like this. Amen? I'll do it again. I'll make you see that face again. That is not, I've never seen a drunk person look like that. These were happy drunks. You know, there are mean drunks and there are... How many know what I'm talking about? There are mean drunks and there are happy drunks. I don't know why the difference. This was a room full of happy drunks. I'm telling you, they were stumbling all over the place. They were laughing. They were rolling on the floor. They were looking at each other. You ever seen just drunks? They can just look at each other and start laughing. And, and the people on the outside looked in and said, Hey, these guys are drunk. What have y'all been drinking? And Peter didn't argue with them. He said, Oh, no, no. Yeah, they're drunk. Not like you think they're drunk, but they're drunk. This is that. 
that the bartender Joel prophesied about way back when, that the father would be serving up one day and giving his people its joy, its happiness, its, its, its a freedom. I think that's where God wants his people. I think we ought to have experiences where, where that, that, that's our experience. I believe God's going to allow us as a body to understand and to know that and, and not just observe it in somebody else, but, but to experience that. That's the will. And, and so Jesus is saying, hey, your heavenly Father loves you. He's in heaven. He's got this covered. What he wants you to do is he wants you to experience on earth what we get to experience in heaven. Who do men say that I am? Some say you're this guy, that guy. Who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, flesh and blood is not revealed that unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock, upon that truth, upon that truth, not the Peter, the rock, the truth, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whatever you bind on earth, whatever you allow on earth, will be allowed in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whatever you say. You see, that's prayer. I wonder, I wonder how hard it would be to get people to prayer meetings if when we came to prayer meetings, we laid hands on sick people and they recovered. And somebody comes walking in like they did today and they need some money for gas. And we say, great, we'll, we'll help. But first, I got a word for, me, for you. And, and we have a word for, from, from God for them. And, and it impacts their life. And as she came into that service, I, you know, she came late and left early. And I didn't know who she was. And she was quite intimidating. Her name was Shawnee. She had an Indian background. She was taller than I. And she had that hard features and... Right in the middle of service, God said, call her up to pray for her. And I'm preaching, and I call her up, and she gets in my face, and she walks up there. I have nothing. I have nothing to tell her. All I had was call her up here. So she gets up in my face, and she says, this better be good. And in my mind, you know, everybody's different. I'm, I'm kind of silly. I'm thinking, well, finally, God, we have agreement. If any two shall agree, is touching on any one thing. Because I was just thinking, God, did you see the look on her face? This better be good. You better have something for this woman because she's in my face now. And, and God gave a message in tongues. And then through my wife, there was an interpretation that read this lady's mail. We never shook her hand, never said hello, didn't know her name. How hard would it be to have prayer meeting with... When you can come to prayer meeting and you can be dragging in, but you won't drag out. They'll be dragging you out because you'll be silly drunk on the Lord. It's a prayer where, where we, 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 we look forward more to the prayer meeting than the service because when we pray, something's going to happen. An exchange takes place. What we're experiencing down here gets exchanged with what we would experience if we were in heaven. Heaven on earth. Because prayer that does anything short of making the will of the Father present now is not a prayer that's been prayed with faith. And I want to tell you, I believe that the Father is, is wanting something more than what we're experiencing. 
And I know that's going to scare some of you, but I just have this, this idea that the Father wants everybody healed. I cannot in the nature of the heart of God imagine God seeing one of his children sick and him saying, well, can't do nothing about it. Won't do nothing about it. I'm always time goofing around with J.J. And, and, and the other day I, I, was, I was kidding him. Well, listen, buddy, if you don't get this done, I'm going to do this and this and this to you. And, and I'm just joking. He said, Dad, you won't do that. What makes you think I won't do that? He said, because that's not you. Our Heavenly Father, I'm telling, I, I don't mind telling you where I'm going. I believe it's the will of God that every sick person be healed. I believe that with every fiber of my being. I believe it's the will of God that everybody in bondage be made whole and be released. I believe that everybody that has wounds in their heart be free from the prison of that pain. I believe that with every fiber of my, my being. I believe it's the will of God that all of your needs are met. I believe that. And I believe when we look at the price that Jesus paid to get us all of that, it, we ought to have more than just a healing lottery. You know, every once in a while, somebody gets something. I think that healing ought to be automatic. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Cast out demons. There's a, a military term. And it's fitting here. Because what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about the transplant of kingdoms. Wherever there's a kingdom, there's a king. There's a king. When my wife and I came here as pastors... You know, early on, the prayer was, what are we, what are we, what are we dealing with here, God? What are, what, what are we up against? What are we facing? What needs changed? And one day, just, just a, a snapshot, we, there, was, there was about 50 or 60 people in the building, and a lot of people sitting by themselves. There were some people sitting in groups of two or three, and they were just scattered all over the building. And, and every one of them had... A Burger King crown on. You know those silly little crowns you get at Burger King? And I came to understand that our battle was that everybody was building up their own little kingdom. And we're not here to build up our kingdom. We're here to build up his kingdom. So the goal became, when we got to the place where the kingdoms of this church became the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I never found out how true that was till I, we, we were out of paper, plastic, we were styrofoam cups. And I said, do we have any cups here? Somebody says, well, the ladies' ministry has some and the men's ministry has some, but I think the children have some, but the church don't have any. What did you just say? I said, serious, they, they got cups? I need cups. So where are their cups at? Well, they're downstairs, but they're locked. I'm telling you the truth. Am I, John? <laughs> so we had the children's ministry's cup locked up and the men's ministry's cup locked up and the ladies' ministry. I said, you've got to be kidding me. 
And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Now we got one cupboard full of cups. Okay? You need cups, we got cups. Amen. But there's only one king. And, and listen to me for a moment. Listen. When, when, when this brother is sick in his body, there's been a king somehow that has received permission to rule and reign in this situation. I'm not necessarily saying he did anything bad, but something went wrong somewhere. And another king is expressing his will for John. Are you with me? And our role in prayer is to see that changed. Now, if you think it's the will of God that John be sick, you got bigger issues than I can fix this morning. I have this thought that our Heavenly Father is so loving, he doesn't want John sick any way, shape, or form. And what needs to happen is John needs to be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light because in the kingdom of heaven, there is no sickness. Are you with me? And so Jesus said, here's how you pray. You go to your heavenly father, you enjoy him, you love on him, you bless him, let him bless you back. And in the midst of all that, that you say, by the way, I want your kingdom to come. Your will be done in John's life. When you believe that, when you you pray with one eye open, I wonder where we got this eye shut thing. I think it maybe came in in the 400 years. You shut your eyes because ain't nothing going to happen. Go ahead and take a nap while you're praying because ain't nothing going to change. I think we need to start praying with one eye open. Go ahead and get crazy. Open them both. I want to see this thing happen. I love what one pastor shared the story. He, he had this, this crazy evangelist show up. I'm, I'm going to keep the name out of it. Who, who just believed that God just healed. That's just what God did. And, and, and the evangelist was getting worked up in an altar service, and they were praying for people, and one guy came up to get prayer, and he stepped in front of the evangelist, and the, the evangelist said, God just told me whatever you need prayer for, he's going to answer it. And the pastor said he just he felt like shrinking into the floor because he knows what the brother came up for. The brother was born without eyes. There was no pupil, there was no retina, there was none of the, uh, nothing. His eyes were just two white balls. That's all there was. And the pastor said, why did he say that? How many times, he he thought himself, how many times have I prayed? And this guy went back disappointed, and now he said that. and, And the evangelist said, what do you need? And he said, well, I'm blind. And the evangelist said, reached over and opened his eyes, and He said, well, you don't even have any eyes. Pastor said, I'm thinking, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to fix this? And Evangelist said, let's just pray. And in the pastor's own words, he said he stood there and he said, he he at first had his head down thinking, how am I going to fix this? 
But then something in him told him to look up and watch him. And, and, and the evangelist had told this brother to hold his eyes open, wide. And the pastor said it was, as the evangelist prayed, it was like somebody had taken a drop of, of paint and put it in the middle of both of his eyes and in front of him, with him watching there three feet away, eyeballs were formed in that guy's socket. What happened was, the kingdom of darkness... Do you know that there are, there, are some, there are some animals born in a cave that are never going to see the light, so they don't have any eyes. The kingdom of darkness brought darkness into this guy's life, but what he didn't anticipate was the kingdom of light was going to break through one day through a crazy evangelist who just believed God for a healing, and it happened in front of them. When we pray, the kingdom of darkness is kicked out, and the kingdom of God is transplanted, and the will of God is brought to pass. And in his kingdom, there is health, and there's joy, and there's enough. In fact, there's more than enough. But what's our role in that? I want you to look at with me for just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us all, by us. There's a military term, and it's fitting here, because we're talking about the transplant of the will of one king for another. The uprooting of one kingdom and the transplanting of another kingdom in its place. There's a military term called fire for effect. If you've watched enough war movies, you've probably heard them say that. Basically what happens is that there's a forward observer who goes into the battle area and they see what's going on. And they find where the enemy has an installation that needs to be removed. And the forward observer then calls in the coordinates to the artillery. And, and they will fire a, an initial round. In fact, it's called a, a spotting round. So, so the observer will go into the enemy territory, find where the enemy has a, an establishment, and he'll, he'll be in touch with his artillery, and he'll tell the artillery to fire a spotting round. Here's where I think they are, but this is imperfect. Fire a round, and the artillery will launch a round. It will land, and now the forward observer will say, okay, let's walk it in. If they were wanting to hit John here and, and the round you know, landed 200 yards this way, they'll tell them to advance at 150 yards and maybe this round will, will get closer. But, but now when this round lands in the establishment, the forward observer will say, fire for effect. In other words, that is what we want right there. Release everything you have. That's what you and I are called to do. Fire for effect. When we see one who's struggling, when we see one who's depressed, when we see one who isn't experiencing the kingdom of God, we, we become the spotter. We, we fire a, a spotting round. What's up, man? How's it going? What are you shopping for today? Do you work here? 
What you up to? Isn't it great weather? We're firing a spotting round. We're watching and listening for the Holy Spirit to tell us where this thing's at. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's a waitress. It's a waiter. It's somebody that works at Chipotle. It's somebody that works at your, where you work. It's somebody at your school. You're firing a spotting round. You're, you're trying to discern in the spirit what's going on. Man, I love your truck. Love, love your truck, man. Where'd you get that at? And as he's talking, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got it. I've been driving junk for years, but finally, after my divorce, I'm finally to the place now where I've got money, and you know, I went out and bought me a new truck, make myself feel good. Now we're walking it in. Dude, I'm sorry to hear about the divorce. What happened? You know what? That wasn't the will of God. I'm sorry it fell apart like that. That wasn't God's will. Now we've zeroed in. Now we can say to the Holy Spirit, fire for effect. We see where the wound is. He's trying to fix it with this truck. I know it's not you. He's trying to fix it with a nice truck he bought himself, okay? You know what I'm saying? And, and now we know where the wound is. We know where the enemy has caused... Are you all getting this? And now we can tell the Holy Spirit, let's fire for effect. We can shed light on, in this darkness because see, he's sitting there thinking it's all his fault. And... And we can now fire for effect. Listen, man, that's, that wasn't the will of God for you. God loves you. I'm sorry you all went through that. God's got better for you than that. What I'm doing is, I'm not just talking to him. I'm talking to those demons that have been on his shoulder that have been lying and lying and lying to him. Get thee behind him, Satan, for thou art an offense to the king that's about to ride into this kingdom. Whenever a king goes in, they scatter Make room. That's what you're doing when you're engaging this person. Listen, God's got better for you. Do you mind if I pray for you? I'm going to pray for you. And I'm, I'm, it's, it's for effect now. We're firing for effect. We know where the enemy is. He's in that man's heart for this reason. And now we're zeroing in with the Holy Ghost. And we're saying, I'm going to be praying that God's will for you transplant what the enemy has done in your life. Thy kingdom come. Hey, Daddy, I found one. I found one of yours. I want your will to be done in his life. So we, we read this verse, and, and we, it, you know what? In the King James, it kind of, we, we lose it. We lose the meaning. If we read it in the NIV, it says it this way. It's a little bit easier to understand. For no matter... How many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so, through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I love that. Philippians says it this way. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. I think that God deserves the church. Let me back up for just a moment. You see, here's the crazy thing. I know there are, there are false prophets out there that are prophesying 
that we, the church, are getting weaker and weaker and willing. No, 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 down. God's boiling us down to the best. He's boiling us down to the best. He's boiling us down to where, to where we're, we're focused. It's like a knife being sharpened. You, somebody could say, yeah, the knife is losing stuff. Oh, yeah, it's losing stuff. It's losing all the stuff that made it dull. That's what it's losing. It's getting sharp now. God is taking the church and he's focusing us now. Because you see, here's what Jesus said. I want to tell you, Jesus never prayed a prayer that wasn't going to come to pass. It may be delayed by man's actions, but it will come to pass. He told you and I to pray that his Father's kingdom come, his will be done on earth. And that is going to happen. That is the church that Jesus Christ deserves. He didn't pay a half-hearted price for a half-hearted church. He paid a full price for a full-hearted church. And he deserves to see the full blessing. You go out to Bob Evans today and you order the chicken and the mashed potatoes and the green beans and they bring you the chicken and the green beans, you demand your mashed potatoes. My God, yes. Don't you leave without those mashed potatoes. That's not the will of God at all. Jesus hung on that cross 2,000 years ago and said it was finished. Every Everybody's deliverance was finished. Everybody's healing was finished. He deserves a church that understands that and operates with that understanding so that it's no more we stand before a man bound up in depression and we just hope and pray, oh God, please help him, he's hurting so bad. Come on, folks. Our Heavenly Father loves this man. And what you see happening in his life is not by the fault of the Father. It's been by the fault of a church that refused to say amen to what God said yes to. And God, through Jesus Christ, said yes to his deliverance, said yes to his healing, said yes to the needs in his life being met. God the Father, through Jesus, said yes. He's looking for a church that says amen. We don't pray anymore. I hope, oh, God touches you, brother. I remember one time, oh, it was about 18 years ago, somebody had a problem like this. I think they got touched. They might have got touched. It. Oh, God, I'm sorry. You ain't going to get nothing, man. <laughs> it's awful. Oh, we'll take it to shake, shake and shake, okay? No, 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 no. We can look a man in the eye. Dude, I know you wanted me to take it to stake and shake, but silver and gold have I not. But what I do have, I've got a ladder. I've got a ladder. And the storehouse shelves in heaven are full. And there's a box up there with your deliverance that has your name on it. Your heavenly Father made sure it was there. Jesus paid the price to put it on a shelf. He's just looking for me to say amen to it. Dude, you're about to get healed. Amen. That's right, Judy. Amen. Amen is an agreement. Amen basically says, I'm in agreement. It's over. When you know that, let's read this verse again. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him... 
the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Why was the amen spoken through us? I want to close with this. There you go. It's agreement. But more than that, God gave us dominion. He can't do it by himself. He gave. When we had a garage sale, J.J. made sure that those things that we gave to him, when they sold, he got the bucks for it. That's just the way it works. Well, you guys gave that to me. That's mine. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. God the Father, listen, God the Father gave us rule of this planet. Listen to me for a moment. I'm trying to close. If he does what he wants without our okay, he's no different than the devil. And so what is the church's role? The church's role is to walk around finding places where that person is not experiencing the kingdom of God and to know that there's a Father in heaven who is giddy happy to heal and deliver. Giddy happy to set the captive free. That's why the Spirit of the Lord God is upon him. Preach the gospel to people that can't pay for it. Money isn't a problem with him. To set at liberty them that are bruised. That's what God does. And you and I have the privilege to walk through this earth and see somebody who isn't experiencing the kingdom of God and say, it's about to change. Amen. In Jesus, are they going to be healed? In Jesus, the answer is yes. Are they going to be delivered? In Jesus, the answer is yes. Can God fix this? In Jesus, the answer is yes. Can that be restored? In Jesus, the answer is yes. The problem has never been with Jesus. It's been with a church that doesn't say amen. That's the way it's going to be. That's what God wants out of you and I. We go in prayer. We don't mealy mouth around. We don't play. We don't wonder if God might be. I know you're running dry. I know you got big problems in Pakistan, issues. But could you help poor little John just a little bit? No, 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 no. He's a king. He's looking to establish a kingdom. And what if, you know what, to me, I know, I, know, I know some preachers get caught up in it. To me, it doesn't matter how John got to drowning. It doesn't matter whether he jumped over fell over, or he was pushed over. He's drowning. That's all that I care about. And that's not the will of God that he drowned. And so I'm here as an ambassador for Christ to see a new king set up in this situation. This all makes sense to you guys? Let his kingdom come. I just, I just wonder. I just wonder what would happen to prayer meetings if we had that attitude. I wonder what happened to our lives if we carried that throughout the day. We run into somebody out in the public and we, the Spirit of God just kind of nudges us. Just a nudge. You're waiting for him to yell at you. You're waiting for him to grab you by the ear and drag you. You're going to quit sitting up front, aren't you? And he's not going to do that. He's going to nudge you. 
as a FO, the forward observer, our job is to see where the enemy is trying to set up a kingdom, get to it. What are you afraid of? If God be for us, it can be against us. Find out where the enemy is. Love your truck. When would you get it? <laughs> okay. All right, Holy Spirit, now we know what it is. Fire for effect. Give me a word for this guy. All right? Give me a word for him. That's what fire for effect. Would you stand to your feet? Holy Spirit, have your way. You're here this morning and there's a place in your life that is not experiencing the kingdom of God. It's in your health. It's in your bank book. It's in a personal relationship. We're going to have prayer with you if you'll come. I can tell you, based on the word of God, in Jesus, the answer is already yes. Only God can give the answer before you, he, you even know the question. That's where his heart is. Do you know what the Bible says? Out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. When God's got, heart got full, what did he say to your problems? Yes. But you don't, I don't need to know what the problem is. My answer is yes. I'm for you. Do you really? Yes. Just go ahead. He's just got a bucket full of yeses. Yes. Is it pot? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. But you didn't even let me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's not about you. He loves you. It's about do you believe him to be a king? And do you want to experience his kingdom? If you see him as king... As we talked two weeks ago, if you really recognize that every dominion, principality, and power is under his feet, if you really believe that, you can pray. You can pray and say, I'm healed. And your body says, are you sure? And you say, yeah, I'm sure. I, I wonder, the word amen says... It's an agreement, and that's the final word. I, I wonder what would happen if we quit saying amen to our feelings and said amen to God. I wonder what happened if we quit saying amen to what the doctor said and amen to what the word of God says. I wonder what would happen if we quit saying amen to what the lawyer says and said amen to what God said. Wonder what happened if we said amen to what God said and not what our bank balance says. I just wonder what would happen. I just wonder what would happen. Master, we, we got taxes to pay. We don't have any money to pay for them. Is it possible? Yes. Really? How? Go get a fish and open his mouth. Do you, do you think you could cause my blindness to go away? Yes, 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 absolutely. You see, 
I sometimes think, this is my, I was dropped as a child, so please forgive me. It's just my way of thinking, okay? I think he, he took those dramatic steps to show you. He was flaunting it. Do you know anything worse than dirt and spit? And if he can get healing out of dirt and spit, he can get healing out of anything. If he can put a cold coin in the fish's mouth and then put the hook in the fish's mouth, what can he do? I think he did some of these crazy things for effect. He was, he was walking it in, as they say in military terms. The first person that he brought back from the dead, they had just given up their last breath a few moments ago. And there were the critics that says, ah, she wasn't really dead. All right, I'll get you. The next person he raised back from the dead was in the box on the way to the graveyard, the widow of Nain's son. And he stopped the funeral, called him out, and yet there were those people around who said, but he, was, he really wasn't dead, because back then they, they, they buried you within 24 hours. He really wasn't dead. All right. Lazarus is sick. No, I ain't going to fall for that this time. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Master, if you would have been here, you know the story. He stands in front of the grave and he says, go up on the tomb. And they say, dude, serious. He's been dead four days. He stinks by now. He says, can I get a witness? <laughs> Can I get a witness? This one's, you got me on the little girl. And you got me on the casket guy. This dude stinks, right? He's dead. Go open it up. I think he did the sort of stuff to show you and I. In him, it's already yes. It's already yes. He's looking for your agreement of amen. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.